Praise God. Amen. So uh, another thing I want to say, uh, some of you guys had encounters with God during worship. Joan saw something. Other people probably saw things too. But how many of you know that you can have an encounter with God while I'm speaking too? And it's not because I'm speaking. It's because what I'm speaking and who I'm speaking about. And I really believe in God today that um, you're going to have an encounter with God while I'm teaching something. Um, God wants us to know about how much he loves us. We've been singing about it and talking about it, but it's the, the biggest thing that's fought in your spiritual life is if God loves you or not. That's the biggest warfare over your life is in the area of his love and his forgiveness. It's there, okay? So two weeks ago, I started sharing with you guys. We, you know, we had a snowstorm last week. But two weeks ago, I started sharing with you about the forgiveness of, from God's perspective. And uh, forgiveness is not a man-made idea to make us feel better about ourselves when we mess up and we fail. Forgiveness is birthed in the heart of God, amen? So he knew Adam and Eve would fall in the garden. He knew we'd mess up and fall. He knew all the things that would happen in this world. He knew he would suffer and have to die because he was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Yet he still chose to still make Adam and Eve. He still chose to create us and everyone else. He still chose it because the Father wanted a family and forgiveness is inside of the Father's family. It's part of his plan. Amen? So that's something that, um, that I'm not sure everyone understands just how forgiven we are. But we need to understand this because it's very, very important. Today, we're going to look at forgiveness from man's perspective, okay, from our perspective. So we all know that forgiveness of sins is a major topic in the Bible. We've heard about it, you know, Easter, Christmas, and all year round. But uh, it's probably the most important teaching in the Bible because without the shed of Jesus' blood, there is no forgiveness of our sins. So this is a pretty major deal. This is not like one of those topics in school you have to learn and you go and learn about it like physics or math or English or Shakespeare or something. You're just like, oh, this is so boring. Why do I need to know this? You need to know this because this is life or death. This is heaven and hell. This is life now, life forevermore. We need to understand, are we forgiven or are we not? Okay, it can't be this eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and we're juggling this thing like the waves, the ocean, back and forth in mind. We need to understand and know, are you forgiven or are you not, amen? Are you forgiven or have you forgotten? Okay, so that's where we're looking at this today. So our understanding of forgiveness is very pivotal. So um, I believe that our understanding of God's forgiveness of our sins is one of the most fought after things that the devil goes after in your spiritual life. The number one thing is in a whisper in your ear about, you're not forgiven. Or he's in a, why, why is he accuser? Because he's accusing you. He's reminding you of all these different things you've done, thought, and said, or whatever, or didn't do and say. So if the devil can pre prevent us from understanding that our sins are forgiven, or make us doubt that our sins are forgiven, it's going to seriously hinder our spiritual growth and development. It's going to seriously hinder our intimacy with God and our confidence in our prayer life. It's going to influence every aspect of your Christian life if we don't understand and grasp that we are actually forgiven. All right, I'm going to show you this in the Bible. I'm not just making this up. I'm going to show you this in the Bible. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. Sometimes people love to preach, preach the problem. I love to preach on the solution. The solution is Jesus. It's not, your, it's not your free will. It's not your self-control. It's not because you grew up on the right side of the tracks, the wrong side of the tracks. It's about Jesus, amen? So 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9, it says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, 
to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, or patience, another name for that, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. What are those things? What are they from? Galatians somewhere? Basically talking about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Okay. For if these things are yours and abound, they're increasing, you will neither be barren, another name for barren there is useless, you will neither be barren or useless nor unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his old sins. All right, so we can actually be barren, unfruitful, and useless in our knowledge of Jesus. Are you here? Meaning that what you currently know might not be benefiting you at all. Amen? So our understanding here is pivotal. These scriptures say that faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, and we're abounding in them. Uh, we, if we have those things, we'll be fruitful in our knowledge of Jesus. We will grow spiritually, and, um, this will, and this will happen because we can see clearly because we have remembered that we have been forgiven of our old sins. Forgiven or Forgotten. Who wants to remind you of which one? The devil wants to remind you of your, your bad stuff, and Jesus wants to remind you of righteousness that he's given you by his grace. But we will be barren, unfruitful, or useless when we don't see, we don't see well. We're short-sighted or blind. We are unable to see well because we, we have forgotten that we have been cleansed of our old sins. And I'm telling you, this is so contrary to our culture of this region. Because I know I, I say it, I'm going to say it anyway, but I'm going to say it. In our, where we grow up, where we live here, other places, they preach on sin every week. Every week, like sin is the problem. Sin is not the problem. Our, our wrong belief is the problem. Jesus is the solution to the sin problem. We don't need to worry about so much about the problem. Focus on the solution. It's Jesus. Amen? Are you forgiven or have you forgotten? Because if you've forgotten, you're going to be barren and useless for Christ. You're not going to grow. You're going to have zero fruit. You can go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and have zero fruit. Because we're talking about how much you are a sinner, how much you are a loser, how much you, God's mad at you, he's going to punish you and strike you dead, God's going to get you, and all that kind of stuff. And none of that stuff is going to bring the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's remembering it's remembering what he did, not remember what you did. Right. Amen? It is. It takes humility to really believe that what God said about you is true. What he, what he did is true. So we can go to church, and these things will not help us if we don't believe right. right. This is part of our spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare isn't just ghosts and goblins and little demons floating around in space. It's, it's spiritual warfare is to make you believe you're not forgiven, that God doesn't love you. You'll be tempted in that area more than anything else, more than lust after a woman or anything perverted. You'll be tempted to doubt and believe that God loves you. So if the devil can prevent us from understanding or cause us to doubt that we are forgiven, it will greatly hinder our spiritual lives. It will hinder our intimacy with God, our confidence, and our prayer life. That is a big deal. That's pretty much our whole Christian walk. So let's go back and look at verse 9 here. This is part of the devil's plan, you know. He's steal, kill, and destroy. What's he stealing from you? Knowledge, information, which impacts your freedom level, impacts your joy level, impacts your life in so many ways. 
So 2 Peter 1.9, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his old sins. Now I think that part's worded kind of funny, old sins. You know, it just seems strange to be old sins. How old does a sin have to be for it to become old? You know, like I just wonder, like, does it have to be a month old, a week old, a day old, an hour old, five minutes? I mean, like eventually some you know, sin in your life is eventually going to become old unless you die. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to become old. So how do, how do we know? Is it just up to us to decide if a sin is old? Well, that's not old yet, Ryan. You got, you got to still repent and longer. You got to go to the altar and cry. You got to do all this other stuff. Are you here? I mean, I'm telling you, but you've heard these sermons. You've heard them and you've said amen to them. I have too. All right, so how does it have to be? So I don't know, but um, does this mean that once the sins are, that he's forgiven us of our old sin, but our current struggles, our current issues, that like, ah, you gotta wait a while till that gets old and then they'll be forgiven. Or you have to confess your sins because then he's faithful and just and you have to do all this confession stuff, but you're never gonna get to the end of that confessional line because there's gonna be something in the next day and the next day and the next day which is gonna kill your confidence with Christ. Are you guys okay? Yes. Really, it's a good message. It's a loving message, but I'm just telling you, I'm just, not, I'm just not down with religion that tells you you're not good enough when Jesus says that you are because of Jesus. It's going to tell you you got to do this X, Y, and Z, and then God will love you. X, Y, and Z, then you can come into the church, and you'll be okay to come to the church, but you got to wear your, your best dress and your best shoes and stuff like that. No, Jesus is dressed for success for you. The robe of righteousness, amen? Wear what you want. All right, Hebrews. So I believe there's a mistake in the wording here of the old sins. I'm going to show you why, because it's not consistent with other scriptures. Hebrews 10, 12 says this, but he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God because he said it's finished, okay? There is only one sacrifice that was qualified enough to pay for our sins, and that was Jesus himself, okay? He offered himself one time for all time to take away sins. That's past, present, and future sins. It really is, okay? And it's important to get that because it isn't just your current, it's past, present, and even future sins that you haven't even committed yet. He is the alpha and the omega at the same time. God, he's the beginning and the end. He doesn't, he isn't bound by these limits of time and space. Uh, he, one sacrifice for all time, it's past, present, and future because his blood, outside of his blood, there is no forgiveness of our sins. You know, people have trouble with that, that teaching that our sins are forgiven past, present, and future. But I'm telling you, we better believe that he forgives future sins or we're, all, we're in major trouble. Because all of our sins were future tense for when Jesus was dead, buried, and resurrected. All of it was future tense. So we think there's one way to handle sins up until the day you got saved. There's another whole way to handle sins after you got saved. And it's not true. It is not true. It is one blood, one sacrifice, for one time, for all time, for all sin. All time. All time. That's what it says. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. If you don't know what propitiation means, it means he is the atoning sacrifice, the anointed sacrifice for your sins and for my sins, and not only for us, but the sins of the whole world. It is not just for the church, amen? It's for the world. John 1, 7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, 
cleanses us from all sins. And let me just share with you what that word cleanses there means. The cleanses here in the Greek carries the present and a continuous action, which means that from the moment we receive Christ, the blood of Jesus continuously keeps on cleansing us forever and ever and ever. It's ongoing. His blood is still alive. It's still got cleansing power. It's cleansing you forever and forever and forever because it's alive. It one sacrifice for all time. Amen? Amen? Joseph Prince said, it's as if we were under a waterfall of forgiveness. Go to Limville Falls, and if you can handle being under that water pressure right there, but it's under the waterfall of his grace, his mercy, and his forgiveness all the time. When you don't feel it, when you don't feel holy enough, when you don't feel righteous enough, you don't feel good enough, well, guess what? It's a lie and deception anyway because Jesus is the only one holy enough and righteous enough and good enough for you and for me. Amen? He is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for your sins. He is. No one else can be. Amen? So his sacrifice took away our sins, past, present, and future. Amen? And you say, well, that mean I can do that? No, no, it doesn't worry about what it means. It means you took away your sins, past, present, future. Don't worry about it. If I can still go to this, well, you, you, when your mind gets transformed, you're not even going to think about what you can still go out and do and try to hurt God's feelings as we're trying to try to press the limit of whatever. I don't know. He, he, what do you say in the Bible? If a brother sins against you, how many times do I need to forgive him? Seven times? He said, no, no, no. Seventy times seven, right? Maybe that applies to us too. Maybe that's God's principle. I think it is. So I want to look at this again. Um, Going back to 2 Peter 1.9. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten he has been cleansed of his old sins. The word old here doesn't seem to fit, so I did a little digging around. And uh, it's, it, the word old is in the New Testament seven times. Each time it is not referring to actions of the past, but it's referring to a time in the past. That changes a lot, doesn't it? So knowing that, we could read it in a different way. We could read it, the reason... Uh, but if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his sins a long time ago. A long time ago. Not just old sins, a long time ago. I remember doing a sozo with my dad and uh, he was asking God, I got him to ask God, are my sins really forgiven? Even those ones I'm embarrassed by, are they really forgiven? And here's what he heard. He heard, he heard God say, this is how I know it was God because dad would have never said this. He said, before you were born. Your sins and your lawless deeds were completely paid for before you were even born, before you even committed them. Amen. The reason why so many in our churches today are ineffective, unproductive, barren, and useless is because they don't really believe they are forgiven. They can hardly sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, because they don't know. They're schizophrenic. They're back and forth like, I don't know. If I'm doing good, he loves me. If I'm doing bad, he doesn't love me. And guess what? He doesn't change. Have you read the Bible? My gosh, some of those characters in there did some nasty, crazy stuff. And somehow, it seems like he still loved them. I'm not saying he endorsed some of the things that they did, but he definitely loved them. So... um, Without faith in Jesus' sacrifice of himself and what he accomplished for us, we are going to be spiritually barren and unfruitful. This is Christianity 101. This is spiritual growth, discipleship 101, is believing what Jesus did for you is real. Amen? Amen? So 
this is why we have this in, in, the, in the communion service that we celebrate in communion. First Corinthians 11.26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're taking this as a remembrance, not of your sins, like people try to tell you to, do this in remembrance of me because you're proclaiming to spiritual principalities and powers, you're proclaiming over your own life that I am forgiven and my sins and my lawless deeds he remembers no more. As far as the east is from the west, they've been removed from me. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint who's now saved by grace through faith. I was a sinner. I lived in sin. Now when I live in a place called righteousness, now I'm saved by his grace and mercy. Amen. That's a big difference so one of the reasons why God wants us to partake communion is to remember our righteousness. Remember we're forgiven, not remember our sins. Amen? So our belief in our forgiveness is very important. It's important to our spiritual growth and development. It's important to our confidence in our prayer life and our intimacy with God. Do you believe it? You know, how you have trouble saying it or understanding it. But it's also very important for the devil to make you doubt it and try to make you live without it. Because it, uh, it, it would greatly hinder your relationship. And if people cannot receive the forgiveness of their sins, how are they going to receive anything else from God? If we can't receive by faith that we have been forgiven by his grace, how can we receive any other prayer requests we're trying to ask God for when he's already provided this clearly in the Bible? I, we won't have you find any proof or uh, anything stronger than this evidence in the Bible. How are we going to receive something else from God, like healing or any answer to prayer? And how can, they forgive, how can we forgive others if, uh, if we ourselves do not believe we have been forgiven? Okay, so you can see why this is important, spiritual warfare to the enemy, to make you doubt it, to live without it. So um, you see it's important. There's a battle in our, in our lives over the area of forgiveness, isn't there? There's sometimes you can forgive somebody and it's like, ah, no big deal, let's just hug it out and we're good. Other times, that forgiveness feels like there's a war going on inside of you. I'm not letting this go. Who do they think they are? I can't believe they said that to me. They're going to pay for that. I'm going to show them who the dummy is. I'm going to show them who this is. I'm going to show them. I'll show them. And we try to we get in the flesh. And we're in the flesh. Of course, we can't please God. But uh, God wants us to understand how much we're forgiven. Because when you understand how much you're forgiven, it makes it so much easier to forgive somebody else. Once you've received the abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, it's a lot easier to give it away than when you haven't. All right? So if we've been forgiven of all of our sins, like I said, and the Bible clearly says this, all of our sins, past, present, future, all of our sins have been forgiven, shouldn't our natural reciprocation of that forgiveness be for us to forgive others? Shouldn't it be natural? It should be the most natural thing for us to do that there is. Because the Bible says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But it's not that natural sometimes, is it? Come on, I'm preaching at the right place. I know you guys. I know your stories. I know my stories. It's not easy sometimes. I'm not pretending. It's sometimes not easy, right? But to the degree and the level you have received God's forgiveness in your own life is the degree and the level you can give it away to somebody else. Your, your difficulty in forgiving them is because you can't forgive yourself. You haven't received that abundant provision of grace. When you've received it, you can give it away more. And I'm telling you, it's not a math problem. It's not a formula problem. It's a heart problem. 
And the more you get this deeply rooted in your heart, it'll be easier and more natural for you to forgive somebody even if they never apologize, if they never say they're sorry, if they never pay you back the money, if they never do this. You're good because you've released it to the Lord and you are, your heart's good. Amen? So the natural reciprocation would be if we, if we really believe it, like the church is supposed to believe we're forgiven, the natural reciprocation would be for us to be forgiving people, wouldn't it? I think so. That seems logical. But in order for us to walk it out, we've got to receive that abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness to walk it out. And here lies the battle. As long as you believe you're less, as long as you believe you only pay for your old sins, as long as you just like think, well, you know, he forgave me up to the point that I got saved, but now once I'm saved, it's, it's on me. It's on, I'm on my own now. I've got I to gotta work this out now. And if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I'll make it to heaven or he'll answer my prayers, all this kind of stuff we start thinking in our mind when it isn't in the Bible. It isn't in God's heart. He's a father who's provided for his children. And when you receive the abundant provision, it's not El Cheapo provision. It's an abundant, it's more than you need. It's more than you need. Your, your sins, you think of it this way, past, present, future, there's a scale here. If you put in your old sin, your present and future sin, that scale is gonna drop down probably going right through the floor here. Right? And the only person can step on this other side and level that out, and it goes more than level, is Jesus. You can't fix it. You can't do it. So we need to truly receive that abundant provision of grace. This is a heart thing. So with saying that, I want to read to you a parable Jesus shared about forgiveness from Mark, uh, Matthew 18. Because you know what? Jesus wrote this parable, told this parable for us. He didn't say it for your neighbor. He said it for you. He said it for me. Amen? So then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. He's probably looking at Andrew when he said that, you know. <laughs> How many times? This guy. Jesus answered, I'd tell you, not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven, depending on which version you read. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was unable to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had was sold to repay the debt. Let me tell you what, your, forg- your unforgiveness, your bitterness doesn't just affect you. It's going to affect your wife, your spouse, it's going to affect your children, it's going to open generational curses in your life. It's bad for you. All right? It's bad for you, bad for me. Um, 26, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Say, canceled the debt. Amen. He canceled it, all right? 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His, uh, his fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. And said he went off and had that man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? 
In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Did Jesus tell that parable to the world? Or who was he talking to? Peter was talking, right? Peter asking the question. This whole thing flowed from Peter, the rock, right? So what do you think the point of this parable is? Who is the servant that owed the king 10,000 talents? Yes, it's us. It's not your neighbor that you don't like. It's not a mother-in-law or father-in-law or someone who is mean to you at the grocery store. It's you. It's me. It's me. I owed God 10,000 talents. I'm going to show you how much that is in a minute. And there's no way on earth I could ever pay him back that debt. Okay? Who is a servant who owed the other servant 100 denarii? That's the people that hurt us, right? So this story was written with you and me in mind. <laughs> right? All right, so when we walk in unforgiveness, we are acting just like this unforgiving man who went out and choked this guy and we're unable to pay our own debts. We're acting just like that guy. You read this, like, what a wicked, evil man. How could he do something like that? And we're doing the exact same thing. Exactly the same thing when we don't forgive, okay? This man owed 10,000 talents. So let me show you what this, how much that is. One commentary tells us that was equal to $20 million in that day. Adam Clark's commentary said the amount was $67.5 million, a sum equal to the annual revenue of the whole British Empire at that time. University Press Bible background commentary said in one period the silver talent represented 6,000 drachmas or 6,000 days wages for an average Palestinian worker. 10,000 talents would be roughly 60 million days wages. In another time period it was roughly 100 million days wages. This is a massive amount of money we're talking about here. Massive. There was no possible way this servant was ever going to be able to pay this debt back. Okay? Uh, but he fell on his knees and he begged, he said, be patient with me, and begged him and I'll pay back everything. This guy was delusional. There's no way. If he, 60 million days wages, that's equal to 164,384 years. Not even Methuselah lived that long. There's no possible way this guy's ever, he could strike oil, he could do whatever. He was never going to come back with this kind of money to pay this guy back. And he said, be patient with me, I'll pay back everything. No, he wasn't going to be able to pay him back. You think the king knew that? But he had mercy on him because the king's good, not because this guy was good. So this man had no understanding of the magnitude of his debt, and he had no idea uh, what the, of the amount that had just been forgiven him. And I think here lies the battle right here. If you can't grasp how much you've been forgiven of all your, your nasty stuff, just because you can't remember it anymore, all the stuff, past, present, and future, and Jesus canceled all of that debt, all of it, and yet we can't release grace towards somebody else when he's released all that abundance towards us, 164,000 years wouldn't let you pay back what you owed God, what I owed God. Amen? God has forgiven us a very large debt. He's forgiven us all of our sins, past, present, future, and there's no way we could pay it back. But then this guy goes out and chokes his servant over $20. It's hard to even buy food now, a meal out for $20. It depends on where you go. I mean, it's the inflation and everything. But um, $20, he choked this guy 
had him arrested after he had just been forgiven 164,000 years worth of debt over $20. And that is how God sees you and me when we don't forgive people. Amen. So, the problem is, one, we don't understand how much we've been forgiven. Two, we don't understand the magnitude of debt that we owed to God. And the impossibility for us to ever make it to heaven without the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus' own blood was on that scale that leveled out those scales to make it, make it so we can go to heaven and be with Jesus now and in forevermore. It was his sacrifice that paid everything, his offering, not anything we ever did. Amen? So, since God has forgiven mankind of every sin, past, present, and future, and he's not counting our sins against us anymore, shouldn't our natural reciprocation be to forgive those around us? But if you don't know it, if you haven't received it, you can't give it away. It's just like love. One of the greatest commandments in the Bible, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you have not received the love of God, you're not going to be able to love the neighbor, your neighbor because you haven't loved yourself. It's the same thing with forgiveness. If you haven't received the forgiveness of God, you're not going to be able to have it to give it away to someone else. But when you receive the abundant provision of grace that you, 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 your sins, all that debt is canceled from you because he was merciful, because we begged him to, because he's good. When you get that revelation of all of our stuff's forgiven, we can forgive others, amen? The devil doesn't want us to receive forgiveness of sins because he doesn't want us to give it away to others. He wants us to stay in bondage and this is whole deception and trick and trap that he does. But look what happens here. Uh, verse 32. Then his master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Look at where unforgiveness led this man. Did it, didn't say he ever got his 20 bucks back. You know, he was handed over to jailers to be tortured. Uh, what do you think that looked like? He was bound with some chains, put in some nasty prison, tortured, which means beaten up, whipped, pain, unable to get out, unable to pay his debt. That's, the, that's what unforgiveness pays you. The wages of sin is death, amen? But the wages of unforgiveness is pain, bondage, and torment. We think it's gonna pay something. It never pays. It never pays. They say crime never pays. This never pays. Your bitterness will never pay you. You never get that 20 bucks back. Um, so what grace had covered before now has now been reestablished this debt because he was unable to forgive. There's something about our unforgiveness towards others that hinders you from really receiving grace on another whole level. I'm not getting into salvation as much as there is more of God he wants to give to us. And the more we act like him, the more we can receive from him. Amen. Amen? So one of the reasons why believers sometimes have trouble forgiving others is because they have not understood the magnitude of their debt and how much, they owed, they, how much they owed God. They don't know. Let me show you this. Because of Adam's sin and our sin, Ephesians 2.1 says, we were dead in transgressions and sins. We were powerless and ungodly. We were God's enemies. We were hostile to God, unable to submit, 
unable to please God. We were sons of disobedience, children of wrath. We were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in this world. And there was no way you could ever pay back that debt. No way you could do anything about it. When Adam and Eve fell and they sinned, there was nothing you could do except for hope and believe God for a savior. It was just as impossible for us to get saved as it was for the Israelites to come out of Egypt and cross the Red Sea. There was no way, no way outside of God. He parted the waters and they walked on dry land, but their enemies couldn't make it. We needed a miracle. We needed a miracle. And Jesus' blood was that miracle for you and for me. So we were in debt to God and there was no way we could ever pay it back. But look at what God did. Colossians 2, 13 to 14. Now when you were dead in your transgressions in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. This was a massive, massive debt that we could live 164,000 years and never be able to pay back what we owed God. But Jesus took the debt on himself, canceled it, ripped it up and said, it is finished, it is paid in full, that's now my child, they are forgiven by my grace. All your sins and your lawless deeds, he remembers no more. Amen. At the same time, Galatians, sorry, Colossians 3.13 says this, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And guess what? You can do it. But you've got to first receive the abundant provision of his grace in your life. You've got to first recognize how much you were a nasty sinner and there was no way you could get out of this get out of hell free card. There was nothing you could have ever done. You, you could have become a monk. You could have went and you know, lived a, a virgin lifestyle, surrendered. Your, you could have given your life to the flames. You could have done whatever you wanted to do, surrendered everything. And there was nothing you could ever do that could get you out of that hellish place called sin. But it was something Jesus could do. And he saw it before the foundation of the world to be the Lamb of God slain for you and for me. I'm telling you, as we receive the abundant provision, it's made so much easier to let go of bitterness, hard feelings towards a child, a loved one, a neighbor, a school teacher, a pastor, whoever. There are no perfect people. We have potential to be hurt by every, anybody and everybody especially in this high offense culture we're in right now. Like everybody's offended by everything. I don't even know if they know what the word offense means anymore or they change what it meant. I don't know. They change the means of words or whatever. I don't know. But if we're going to be lights that shine in the dark place, we have to know that our sins, our lawless deeds have been forgiven. That you are forgiven. Amen? All right. So um, I want to do some ministry time here it's one thing to preach this and say this and this is not i'm just telling you this this is something i have practiced what i preached here okay 
And if I have someone to forgive and God shows me that, I'll do it as soon as he lets me know. Okay, so far as I know right now, I'm up to date on my forgiveness. As far as I know. But I have preached this before and then he reminded me of someone else that I forgot about. Like, you're right. And then I went, but I will, I will, because I know I was a dirty, rotten scoundrel. I was filled with sin and wickedness and evil was in me. I was mean, nasty, cruel, hard-hearted, unforgiving, bitter, selfish. I was all these things in God and he poured his love into me and there's still a work in progress just like all of us. I'm not trying to, I'm not meaning to sound like boasting. I'm just thankful, honestly thankful for the work that God did in me that I'm not that guy anymore. And it's all because of him. It's not because I went to Bible college. It's not because my dad was a pastor or my grandfather was a pastor. Because Jesus is good and he loves us. He paid it for us. Amen? Amen. So Romans 5.17 says this. For if by one man's offense death reigned through that one man, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. It's a gift. And we need to receive it, amen. So before we can give away our forgiveness, because some of you guys might have people you need to forgive. Um, and it's very common. I'd be shocked if you didn't, just to be honest. Uh, <laughs> and the reason why I can say it, because I knew what I was preaching today. So I knew I, was, I had to <laughs> make sure I was up the snuff on my forgiveness, right? But uh, if you're going to forgive somebody, you're going to have to forgive yourself. You are not designed perfect. You were not designed flawless. You were not designed to live as holy and righteous as Jesus was and you walk on water and everybody bows down to you. No, we, need, we're, we're, we were born in iniquity and we needed a savior. And it's Jesus. Amen. So I want you to repeat this after me. Um, I think, I, yeah, I'll have that on the screen for you. Why don't you guys stand? This is just a confession proclaiming how much we're forgiven. Because we already saw, if we don't understand this, if we don't believe this, we're going to be unfruitful, unbarren. We're going to be useless to the things of God and not understand who Jesus is in our lives. So we'll try to say this together. Jesus, I thank you for your one time, for all time, sacrifice for our sins. I thank you that you alone are the atoning sacrifice for my sins. And not only mine, but also the sins of the whole world. I thank you that I walk in the the light and we have fellowship with one another and your blood continuously keeps me clean of all sin. I thank you you have canceled out the certificate of debt and have forgiven me of all my transgressions. I thank you that my sins and my lawless deeds you remember no more. I thank you that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far my sins have been removed from me. Jesus, I one more yeah, Jesus, I thank you for your abundant provision of grace, your gift of righteous standing with God. I receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, come. The anointing of God's on that word because that word is the word of God. Your sins and your lawless deeds, he's not thinking about them. Do you feel, you feel the anointing of God right there? Forgiveness is important to Jesus. 
It put him right on the cross. It's important, and he modeled it even there. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I pray right now they would receive whoever, anyone, everyone, whoever needs to, your abundant provision of grace and the gift of right standing with God. They'd receive it by faith and your goodness and your mercy. Even right now, even right now, Young and old, whoever receive right now, that I'm saved to the uttermost, I'm saved, all my sins, all my stuff is paid for because of Jesus. And one more part to this, because when we say stuff like we want to be like Jesus, hopefully we mean it more than just show up at church on Sunday, right? Telling you, being like Jesus, you got to be one of the toughest people to walk the planet because that guy was a man's man. To lay down his life, to give up everything, to sacrifice, to be humble and gentle and kind and a servant of all. He, he could have walked, he, he was the king of everything, even creation, yet he humbled himself to serve and to give and wash the disciples' feet, even Judas' feet. Talk about love and forgiveness. Moments before he's going to be arrested, he's washing this guy's feet that he knew was going to betray him. He already told everybody he was going to do it when he broke the bread. So to be like Jesus, we got to forgive. And when we can't do it, we're having trouble doing it, guess what we need? We need to receive more of his forgiveness for us. So why don't we just pray this, ask the Holy Spirit this question. Some of this you need to pray in your heart out loud because the person could be sitting right beside you or something like that, and that would be awkward, right? I mean, it happens, right? I mean, just being real. So ask this, say, Holy Spirit, is there anyone I need to forgive? Keep in mind, this person might be you, okay? So by now you may have seen somebody's face, you may have seen a name, a memory, something from childhood, something from yesterday, I don't know, whatever is going on in your heart. Um, the Lord's asking you, are you willing to let it go? We'll do another teaching on forgiveness another time, uh, but I have a prayer here that Rodney Ho gave us years ago. I have it on the screen for you, I can give you a copy if you need it. But um, it's, you guys can say this if you want to. Maybe we should all say it. it might be easier for the ones that are meaning it, <laughs> right? Because I don't know. I mean, honestly, it's everyone's in control of their own heart right now if they were willing to forgive or not and depending on where you are. So, Lord Jesus, I am powerless to forgive. My flesh wants vengeance, yet I know that it is your will that I forgive. In the same manner that you have forgiven me of all my offenses, I choose right now to forgive my offender. I release, and don't say the name out loud, so-and-so, <laughs> into your hands. I give up any right to harbor, harbor resentment. I turn so-and-so completely over to you and declare your blessing over his or her life. 
Give me the grace to renew my mind as I refuse to dwell on the feelings of unforgiveness as they resurface. Bring my emotions into alignment with your choice to forgive. Guide me and I strive to build a stronghold of compassion. Guard my heart so that no root of bitterness can spring up. Thank you for your enabling grace. Amen. There's only one way out of that torturous dungeon. And uh, it's the way the guy did it the first time. He fell on his knees and he begged him, please forgive me what I have done. And he was forgiven of all that 10,000 talents of debt. The only way for us to get out of that prison cell is by us forgiving other people that hurt us. I can't unlock your door. Only you have the key. But I want, one of the things I wanted to highlight today was the payment for your bitterness and unforgiveness is way too high for you to pay. It's torturing. It's imprisoning. It's not paying anybody back. It's not getting real vengeance. It's you're the one paying the cost, not somebody else. And I just want to, again, strongly encourage you that you might not know how to forgive somebody. You might not know how. But if you need help, come to me. I'll do my best to help you. We'll pray together, whatever. But this is a life or death issue. This is not a minor thing. It's, 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 it's torment. It's torture. It's demonic spirits that are released into your life to torment you when you don't forgive. That's what those torturers are, amen? And so loving Jesus wants us to know these things so we can walk in his, his forgiveness, his mercy and peace, amen? Amen. Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll eat some tacos and stuff like that, whatever else is back there. Um, I love this message. It is a very challenging message, but it's just real. Amen? If we're going to really be like Jesus, then we really need to learn how to forgive. And for some of us, it's our further along the journey than others. We, it might be a process, but we need to become experts at it. Amen? We really do. So God, I thank you for thank you for forgiving me, canceling my massive debt. He canceled it. He just ripped it up and threw it away. Went to the cross, paid for it completely, said it's finished. And I pray, God, that as you've forgiven me, you would help me to forgive other people. As you've forgiven us, you'd help us to forgive other people. That we wouldn't spend time meditating on how wrong they were and who's right and who's wrong. We'd meditate on how much you love us and how much we've been forgiven. I pray you'd help remove this need to be right, this need to win an argument this need to look good in front of man. And we'd have a greater need to look good in your eyes, God, acting like you. You'd help us to be the bigger person, the kinder person, not just out of duty, but out of genuine, whew, man, I feel the Holy Spirit, not out of duty, but out of genuine, authentic love that we've received from you. Supernatural love. Supernatural love.
we all think we think we're all easy to love, but I don't know. Jesus, give us that supernatural love for your children. God, I just bless your kids. I thank you for them. And I thank you that your one time for all time sacrifice was more than enough for all of us. And now you call us sons and daughters. I bless your kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for something, let me know or one of the elders know. Uh, if, if not, you're free to go on back and get some food. Actually, I should bless the food too. That'll save them some time back there. So God, thank you for the food. Thank you for Mark and Laura and the rest of the team. Um, Judah and Dale and Johnny, thank you for them. Pray you bless the hands that prepared it and bless the suit our bodies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day.